Welcome back. Today, we are going to be talking about fire ants. I know that there's a lot of different kinds of ants, and this is one of the questions that I'm getting a lot lately. I know that there's some listeners from different countries all around the world, and I don't know what kind of ants that you have, so I can't really speak to those, but today I'm going to be talking specifically about fire ants. Here in Texas, we have fire ants, and I used to feel the way that everybody else feels about fire ants, and that is, you see, it's, it's kind of like some people think about snakes, you know, the only good fire ant is a dead fire ant. People will say that, well, I'm learning that that's not really the case. That's not really true. What I'm finding is that a lot of people believe that these fire ants are going to kill their plants or these fire ants are going to eat their plants. And that's why I can only speak about fire ants because I can only tell you what I've seen. If you're new here, I want to just welcome you to the Edible Gardens podcast. I'm your host, Nanette Blair. And I'm so glad that you found us. Here at the Edible Gardens podcast, we talk about how your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. I just want to make good food accessible to everyone. And in my opinion, the best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe. And it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruit, herbs, and veggies straight off the plant where you know what went into it from start to finish. And you know, it's funny, I always say this in every episode, but it is so true. And I don't know if you've been listening to this show for a while, if you're getting tired of hearing me say that, but it's so interesting that when I talk to other people at a birthday party or at a dinner party or a pool party, whatever it is, people will tell me, you know, the only way that we can really know if our food is safe from poisons and toxins and pathogens, you know, like you hear all this stuff in the news about E. coli and salmonella on lettuce and watermelon and things like that. The only way that we really will know is if we grow it ourselves, where you know what went into it from start to finish. Because I believe in everything that I'm saying in the intro for the show. But you won't find any tomato cages here. We don't use tomato cages because, well, I don't think that they look pretty. There's a lot of other stuff that you won't find here. You won't find pesticides, herbicides, fungicides of any kind, any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, fun, reflection, entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want. Okay, you know that garden you've been thinking about? Well, I know you're ready. I know I'm ready. So let's dig in. Okay, the gist of the question on ants has been something like this. Quote, I have ants already and I just transplanted. What do I do? Unquote. And most of these frequently asked questions about ants go something like that. I even remember my grandson when he was probably three he thought his mom and dad put in a raised bed and they were growing some basil and some other things uh, some herbs they grew some squash i think some tomatoes some you know the normal little raised bed garden and i remember him asking me when he was only three grammy are the ants eating the plants and i remember telling him no they're not and I didn't know the impact of that question really until in the last year or so, 
because so many people believe that. And when you learn something by observing, you know, which I'm always encouraging you to do, trust your own advice um, more than anybody else's. But, you know, one of the things that I'm finding, this is what my observation has been. And I, I want to say that I know that there's people listening from several different countries all over the world. And I don't say that to be bragging. I, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled. I am so thrilled and humbled by that fact. But I don't know about all of the kinds of ants there are in the world. So I can only speak today about the kind of ants that I have, and that's fire ants. And if you don't know what fire ants are, they basically feel like fire when they sting you. They are almost as bad as a bee sting or a wasp sting. Not quite as bad, but they're pretty bad. This is a problem for us here in Texas. If you live in Texas, I don't have to tell you about fire ants. You know what fire ant is because they're everywhere. But they do like to be in the garden. And the thing that I'm finding out is that they like, that they are doing a really good job for me in the garden. What they're doing is aerating the soil. So here's what I, my observation is. I see this question over and over and over again is how do I get rid of fire ants or how do I get rid of ants or what do I do? They're eating my, are they eating my plants? And I will say, first of all, no, they're not eating your plants. Now they will eat the fruit. That's their job. That is their part of the ecosystem. That's their contribution to breaking down. They're what we would call a macro. They, you can see them. So micro would be what you can see under the microscope only, but macro would be something like a beetle or an earthworm or an ant. And they also do a job. So just like the earthworm, they build all these tunnels and hallways and pathways and they build they help build structure in the soil so one of the things that i've noticed is if i use a tree stump for a stepping stone which i do if i use stones actual rocks as stepping stones which i do then when i turn those over or if i ever turn those over i will see all these little hallways pathways and tunnels You've seen these, right? At least as a kid. If you haven't turned a stone over lately, go out and just turn over a stone. <laughs> turn over several stones and you'll see what I'm talking about. You don't need a microscope to see this. You'll see all the hallways and the pathways and the tunnels. One of the things that I am finding in my own observation, and again, going back to, I trust my own observation more than I do anyone else's theory, but if it's something that I see with my own two eyes in my garden, then I trust that. I have faith now in my ability to say, this is what's going on. When I turn over a stone and I see all these little hallways and pathways, well, I've learned I need to be careful when I turn over a stone. I need to use some kind of a long tool like a spade or a shovel. I'm not a spade, but uh, something with a long handle or gloves or do it really, really quickly with bare hands because I'm finding that there's gonna be ants under there. Here where I live, it doesn't matter whether it's winter, summer, fall, spring, they're around pretty much all the time, but right now, it they're really prevalent. There's something about right after a rain or right before rain, you'll start to see you know, what's going on if you observe, and that's why I say write it down, 
Personally, I don't trust the information to be in my brain and I don't really have room up there. <laughs> so I write it down. But one of the things that I notice is where there's a tree stump or a big rock, like say a boulder, they, they like that wall of protection. They like that roof. They like to be, they like to build around a tree stump. They love the hugel culture beds. They love being where there's compacted soil. These are the things that I'm noticing in my own garden. And I know that from doing raised beds before, years and years and years ago, when I first started gardening, like I talked about in um, episode one, I talk about my pathway into gardening and you know the courses that I've taken and the things that I've done. Well, I did raised beds in the very beginning and I noticed they love raised beds. Uh, it's something about that wall. They like to build up against that wall inside that bed. They're very private and they're very territorial. So the question is, what do I do? Well, the first thing that I think that you should ask is, are they beneficial or are they harming my plant? And I think that that's what this person and persons, people are asking is, do they hurt my plants? No, they don't. Now, these are the kind of ants I have. If you live in another part of the world where you have, say, these ants that cut all the leaves off the tree and walk in a straight, I saw this one time and I thought it was funny, only because it wasn't my tree, but they walked in a straight line, like, I don't know if they were army ants or soldier ants or what they call them, leaf cutter ants, whatever they are, they looked like they were doing a lot of damage, but it was kind of looked like something out of a cartoon. It was kind of, it was really interesting. It was, it was funny. I know it sh I should look at it as sad, but I don't have those kinds of ants. Uh, I have fire ants. Those are the kinds of ants that I have. So people want to know, in one of the Facebook groups that I'm in on gardening is all about organic gardening. And it seems like what most people want to know there is, what, I, what can I put on my food or my garden that is organic? The answer is always something like what you can buy. You know, you can go buy this at the organic store and put it on there. You can go buy this at the organic store and put it on there. You can go buy this at the organic store and put it on there. But my question is, do you need to evict them? Well, one way that I have found that you can do this, and I found this out through making my own compost because they loved to get into the compost, which they don't anymore. I don't have problems with fire ants in the compost anymore. I, what just wasn't turning it enough. They don't like to be disturbed. Before, when I would have fire ants in the compost, I wasn't turning it enough. And when I started turning it, I saw they don't like to be disturbed. One of the methods that I use, if I have some fire ants that are just getting out of control and we're just kind of competing for territory, I'll just get something and I'll just disturb them. If it's in a common area that has nothing to do with me growing food or a garden or flowers or anything, they just don't belong there, like around the fire pit where we sit on these large boulders that we've put around this fire pit and the grandkids are going to be there and we're going to be there. I don't want anybody getting bit and there's no reason for me to use my compost tea there, so I will use diatomaceous earth there. Diatomaceous earth, if you don't know what it is, it's basically ground up rock that's very sharp and it will nick their exoskeleton and they basically dehydrate to death. 
But that's what I'll use in an area where, you know, maybe they get somewhere else where they're not supposed to be that's around the house. It has nothing to do with the gardens. But that's outside of the gardens. What I'm talking about inside of the gardens is I'm finding that they just do a really good job of aerating the soil. And wherever those ants are building those nests and building those hallways and pathways that you'll see if you turn over a rock where you know there's ants there, you'll see hallways and pathways and tunnels and they're building really good aerated soil. Well, that helps fight disease. That helps fight other pests. That is just a really good thing. So I'm considering ants as a beneficial insect in my garden. Uh, the other thing is a lot of people have a concern that they are cultivating and nurturing aphids. And that is true. They are. So what happens is the aphids will poop. Their poop is called honeydew. And the ants like that. So they're kind of cultivating and protecting their food source. And wherever you see ants crawling up a plant or crawling up a tree, there's probably something there that they're after. A lot of people think that the ants are eating the leaves. It's not the ants that are eating the leaves. In my case, with the kind of ants that I have, uh, they basically say stay subterranean, but I have seen them on some of my plants and what I'll do is I'll say, okay, there's probably aphids there. So I'll, I turn the leaf over, which you have to kind of turn the leaf over to see them. I'll turn the leaf over and I'll say, yep, there's some aphids there. And that's why the ants are there. The ants are not there eating your leaves. So whatever is eating your leaves, the ants are an indicator that something else is there. So, uh, what to do. So if you want to know what to do about ants, first of all, I think you have to ask yourself, are you in a transitional year, which means you're really trying to get the soil right? I let my ants stay there. And I believe I've already talked about this in another episode somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but I let the ants stay there until we just get a little too competitive for the territory. Like they just, they're overstepping their bounds. I kind of consider them squatters. So they're not invited. They're there without permission. And um, I just kind of tolerate them because they're doing a job. But if it ever gets to the point where they get out of hand, then I'm like the ungrateful landlord. I will just evict them. I will use my compost tea and I'll pour it on that mound and they just go away. And I used to do this every time I would see a fire ant mound, got so excited when I found out that my compost tea that I make at home, actually it's a compost extract, not a compost tea, I will um, pour, I would pour that on the mound and I was so excited when I found out that that works. So extremely excited. There's nothing I have to buy. There's nothing toxic about it and it worked on fire ants. But now... I'm thinking, I'm just leaving those ants alone. I, If I really want them to move, I just kind of poke them, you know? I just kind of poke them with a, a something, and I disturb that soil a little bit. But what I'm finding is mostly where those ants have just moved in, it's usually in a place that needs to be aerated. It's compacted soil. If it's a place where they've been for a while, 
they kind of just move on to another location. It's like they like the compacted soil. It's really weird. Uh, I don't know why. I, I don't understand why that is. But usually I will see them start to build mounds out in the middle of the lawn or the grass and I just mow right over them. And when I mow over them because they're in the grass, I don't know where they go. But I don't have as much of an issue with them there. But it's really curious to me why they always go for the compacted soil and then they turn it into beautiful aerated soil. So they build all these rooms and pathways and hallways and all these metropolises under the ground and then they move on to another area. I'd really love to know why that is and if someone has any information, any any data that I could look at or a really good resource that's a scientific paper, I would love to see that. Please email me at nanette at ediflegardens.com and specifically I'm going to repeat the question that I have is why do they like compacted soil so much? And uh, maybe this is specific to fire ants, I'm not sure. In the place in the garden where I see that they are building these little metropolises and aerating the soil underground, my plants are doing, they're bigger and more robust than another area where I know they haven't been working and building that um, good aerated soil. I will say that wherever your fruit touches the ground, so say you have a really thin skin fruit like strawberries or a tomato or something like that. If it falls to the ground, the ants will go to work on that fruit. Um, if it's something thick like watermelons, I, I don't see any problem. If it's strawberries, yes. I used to have problems with ants eating the strawberries but or being on the strawberries, but I think my theory is, no, it's not a theory. For me, my truth is, yes, I just said that. My truth is that when it starts to decay, that's when the ants start to go to work on it. When it gets to the point, I don't know if it's some kind of a hormone or something that the, the fruit put, puts out saying that, okay, it's time for me to start dying now. It's time for me to decompose and go back into the earth. That there's, I know that there's a hormone. I don't remember what it's called. Okay, so you know when you put your fruit in a basket together, say you put your bananas with your apples and you put your apples with your um, tomatoes or you put this with that, that, it'll send out a gas and it'll cause the other fruit around it to start to decay as well. I know that that is a thing, quote unquote, but I don't know what it's called. <laughs> so, but when your fruit is in the garden and maybe it's just gone a little too long, and it's starting that to put off that gas, maybe the ants are attracted to it then, but I haven't had any problems with the ants on strawberries if I pick them. I mean, I just haven't had any problems with it. I used to have that problem, but I think I was letting the strawberries go too long. So to sum it all up, the ants are beneficial because they cause aerated soil. They cause the soil to be aerated. No, the ants are not eating my plants. They're, I don't know what kind of ants you have, but they're not eating my plants, but they will go to work on fruit that is touching the ground. So I would say just keep that fruit off the ground and pick the fruit whenever it needs to be picked. I guess that's it for today. That was for ants, for all you ant 
haters out there, maybe you should give them a second shot. <laughs> maybe you should maybe think twice. Now, let me just say one more thing. I have noticed that I, if I let a pot of soil, a container, say I used to have something in this container, I left the soil in there, and then I left it in place somewhere like in the greenhouse, and it was sitting on the ground. Well, the ants will move in and just colonize. And you know, again, that's those walls that they like to build in. They just don't like to be disturbed. There's a hole in the bottom where they can get in and out. I'd say in a case like that, I would just go dump that soil out and start with brand new soil. Because I know that that is another question that I get a lot is, I have all of these ants in my um, containers. What do I do? And that's a hard one because, I mean, if they're fire ants, it's, you got to be really careful that you don't get stung a lot because I think that could be dangerous, especially if you're prone to um, anaphylactic shock. I think that's something, I mean, you can get a lot of bites at, or stings at once. So I would say just take that, dump it over somewhere out of the way. I would not use my answer, my short answer. Well, I guess this has been a long answer. <laughs> But my short answer at the end here is I don't use any kind of pesticides on anything around the garden, if and not even organic. Then the way that I get rid of them is I just disturb the soil and they move away. Or I will use my compost tea and I don't know where they go. I know that the nematodes in the compost, excuse me, compost extract, there is a difference between compost tea and compost extract. My compost extract um, has nematodes in it, and they go to work on the larvae of the ants. But the uh, I think it just kind of floods them out. It kind of floods those aerated tunnels out, and they just pick up and they move. I'm not sure that it really kills them. I think they just move. So anyway, yeah, I have learned to just not really get along with ants. But I would say that I have learned to tolerate them as, it's kind of like bees, right? We tolerate bees in the garden all the time. I can be around bees. I don't have a problem with uh, being allergic. So I don't like to get stung, I'll tell you that. But I don't, I got stung by a wasp and it was in my house and it was in the time that I had in a jar, in a mason jar sitting on my kitchen counter. I went to go grab some, and I guess that wasp had gotten in there, and it just stung me right on the right on the knuckle <laughs> when I went to go grab that. But, you know, while I'm out in the garden, I just don't worry about the bees anymore. I used to be scared to death of bees. I think that's the way that most people are raised is that, oh, my gosh, there's a bee. Leave it alone. Um, and it's the same way with fire ants. But I just kind of cohabitate now with the bees, the birds, the bees, the butterflies, and, you know, there's advantages, there's disadvantages to everything. And I saw a really cool meme on uh, Facebook today. It said, if you don't have some kind of bugs in your garden, then you're not doing it right. And I remember, and, and I don't know if that's exactly what, I can't retell jokes either, but I don't know if that's exactly what they said, but that was the gist of it. If you don't have some kind of bugs in your garden, you're not doing it right.
I mean, that's truly what I believe. This is my truth. I use that, that, I use that again. This is my truth is that there needs to be, and I used to say a balance in the ecosystem. You're just going to have basically a lot of counterbalances going on. If you've got ants, or if you, excuse me, if you've got lady, if you've got aphids, then you also have ladybugs. Without the aphids, the ladybugs wouldn't show up. If there's nothing there, then something bad is always going to be the first thing to move in, like squash bugs or whatever. So anyway, yeah, I, and I wonder too, if anybody has any information on this, could you send me at Nanette at edifilgardens.com, that's N-A-N-N-E-T-T-E, any kind of article or know someone who's an expert that I could talk to or a scientific paper or something I would love to see is do the ants underground ever feed on any kind of other macro organisms like grub worms or um, something else that's in the soil? You know, something, this would be what we would call the soil food web. This is the food chain in the soil. Uh, I would love to see more information on that. But these are my observations on my kind of ants in North Texas, North Central Texas, not in the Panhandle, but where I am, we have fire ants. Don't know what kind of ants you have, but this is my observation on fire ants. I think that'll do it for this episode. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't subscribed because sometimes we post uh, bonus episodes on frequently asked questions and other things that come up, food in the news or something like that. That way you'll get notified when there's a new episode. Okay, that'll do it for this episode. And remember, this podcast is dedicated to you so that we can all put good food on the table. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you.